they believed that the customer bought their product primarily because of the platform neutrality that you know they could work with all sorts of different devices within the logistics organization but what they found was and it came out not only in a purchase driver but it it resulted in market messaging as well is the customers again and again referred to the purchase driver as an out-of-the-box solution they could customize welcome to the business ownership podcast brought to you by awareness strategies helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Tanya. Tanya, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I, uh, <laughs> I'm excited to have some time together. Thanks. So give us a highlight of who you are and a quick introduction to what you do for business. Sure. So my name is Tanya Bierstrom. Um, and if you look at the spelling in the show notes here, you'll uh, be able to find me easily on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Tanya Beerstrom on there. <laughs> Not exactly like a, a Smith last name. Um, my company's Derby and I am the voice of the customer for B2B. So basically what that means is I help my clients to better understand how to uncover valuable customer insight while creating an experience for their customers. Nice. So before we get into what is customer insight, how did you get into that as a thing? So I, I was in enterprise technical sales for a bulk of my career. And then when I was approached to do some consulting, I was really doing more what I would call general business development type consulting, helping some uh, small to midsize uh, tech companies to better their sales process, to identify critical points in their sales process, to figure out why deals were getting stalled, those sorts of challenges. And what I found was my, my first step in any type of engagement was to talk to customers, right? Who better to understand why somebody should buy your product or service than somebody who has bought your product or service? So <laughs> Um, so I found though that particularly for entrepreneurs, for small to mid-sized businesses, and definitely for those who have a lot of domain expertise, but maybe not a lot of expertise in account management, business development, marketing, that is not a first instinct. And oftentimes it's not something that they're comfortable with. Not that they don't see the value in it. They just, it, it, it makes them uncomfortable. They don't know where to start. So that's where I really decided to focus my business on voice of the customer and helping those early stage and growth stage companies make sure that they're taking advantage of that existing customer base that they work so hard to get in the first place. Nice. So what kind of things do you find that they're missing out on? Is it because they're talking about their products and services and not asking questions or is there something else that's going on there? So there's a lot of things that end up happening in conversations with customers. And one of them is right out, right out the gate, assumption and bias. So it, it's human nature. If there's something you are close to, you are going to bring a certain amount of assumption and bias to the questions that you ask. There's a quote that I love, which is, if you believe you know the answer, you fail to ask the right question. And so when 
as a, a sales rep or as an executive, when you're asking a client or a potential client questions about them, about their environment, about how to size a solution for them, you're not making assumptions because it's not something you're familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. Those are, that's information that you're really looking for that you don't believe you have the answer to. But when you're speaking to one of your customers in regard to what were critical points in the sales process before they decided to buy your product? What about market messaging? What were the primary purchase drivers that drove them to select you? What was their past support experience like working with your organization? All of those things that are really intimate and really closely tied to your business, you already have a preconceived idea of what those answers are. You are already just naturally making assumptions. And so particularly if it's if you're the founder of a company, if you're really closely tied to the roots of your organization, you you have you're a little bit too close to what those answers could be. So by really bringing in a third party who can bring in a fresh perspective, who is skilled at asking the types of questions that need to be asked, you get a whole a whole set of different information than if you try to do it yourself. I love that. So at what point would you say that it becomes pertinent to be able to bring somebody like you in? Mm -hmm. So for a lot of the clients that I've worked with, once they hit a point where they are starting to scale. So once it's no longer the owner, founder, entrepreneur themselves, that is the only one in the organization having communication with the customers or not the primary contact for the customers. That is a really good point to bring somebody in and start asking these questions. Awesome. So what about somebody that's early on goes, uh, I'm really good at painting, but I really suck at sales. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bring somebody in. I'm going to assume that at that point <laughs> to set that salesperson up for success, you want to be able to, especially if the owner's not uh, considered self, you know, self-considered savvy at sales that you want to be able to sure. hone in on what those messages are and figure out why, you know, are people coming to you and what are they, what are they getting out of what you do? Am I right? Yes. Yes. And you know, there, there are some options that I have for, if, if we are looking at that early stage, right, mm -hmm. where somebody is truly just starting off, doesn't even have an existing customer base, there's some education that I can provide to help people understand how they could set up a program right out the gate. So if, if they do have that secondary resource available, then that can serve as a fresh perspective in itself. And it, you know, at least to such point that maybe they've got a dozen customers. And then at that point, it, it really does help to have somebody else doing this work to not only bring the fresh perspective, but also make sure that the program stays focused and consistent, right? When a voice of the customer program is a byproduct of what is naturally occurring in sales and marketing, it, it isn't going to be successful. It requires intention. It requires focus. Otherwise, it, it gets left on the cutting room floor most of the time. So when, when you are working with somebody and you're kind of helping them to get that experience, how often would you say it's pertinent to come back and kind of 
go th go through the process again to figure out kind of where are your clients at now? Does it change annually? Does it change more frequently than that? That's a great question. One of the programs that I love to execute on for my clients is what I call voice of customer experience. So what you're doing is you're identifying what are the critical touch points within the experience of a customer. So from my perspective, the customer experience begins the moment that a potential customer becomes aware of your brand. Right, that is first impressions matter. And that really is the very beginning of their experience. And from there, it's, you know, it's really into infinity as long as they engage and are buying your product and buying your service. And so what I see with a lot of organizations is if they have a voice of the customer program or if they have a customer success or customer satisfaction program in place, reach out to their customers occurs on their timetable, right? It's, okay, well, we survey our customers once a quarter or our sales reps have quarterly business reviews. So we go to our customers for conversations prior to those quarterly business reviews so that we have an idea of what pipeline might look like, right? It's, it's tied to what you were doing as an organization not your customer's timetable. So I challenge my clients to let's look at this from the perspective of your customer, right? What are the critical touch points in the customer experience from the view of your customer? A lot of times it's things like right after they've implemented your solution, right? That's a, that's a pretty big touch point for an organization after a service or a product or a solution has been implemented. And they typically have a lot of feedback to provide that they want you to hear. Same thing if there's a significant warranty or support incident with your product or service, or if there's been a change of manager or stakeholder within the customer, right? So I advise my clients to establish when they're gonna reach out and have these voice of customer interviews, these voice of customer conversations, have it based on the experience of, your customer, not the arbitrary schedule that might, you know, might fit into to your meetings, basically. <laughs> your KPIs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it sounds like you're mostly B2B and um and a higher price ticket. Is that right? Or for the most part, I mean it needs to be so uh definitely B2B. Mm -hmm. And one of the primary reasons for that is the the product or service that's being offered it needs to be um, significant enough in price and then significant enough in complexity to warrant having a 30 minute conversation with the customer. Right. right? So there needs to be enough, uh, enough there to, to really get in depth into the, into the product, the service, the relationship. But everybody's putting enough on the table to be able to <laughs> warrant exactly. that discussion. Right. Yes. Yeah. The customers need to be invested in the success of my clients, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, they need to not be able to just walk across the street and work with somebody else. So would you say that a lot of business owners think that if I just hire a really good salesperson, if I just offer them high commission rates, that's going to solve my problems and, and this is all moot or what, how did they, what is the push off that they tend to have if they have any? Yeah. So I think one of the primary 
things that I encounter, challenges that my clients encounter is when they think of customer insight, all of a sudden it's, okay, is it NPS, net promoter score? Should I be looking at customer success surveys? Do I do an online survey? Oh my God, enough of the surveys. I'm so tired of getting surveys. Or, you know, should I hire a market research firm? Or, you know, what if they, but if they give me negative feedback, does that just make the customer think about the negative feed? Like their their head starts spinning. (laughs) It starts spinning, right? So that's where I bring them back to what I call key desired insights. So key desired insights are really at the core of all of the programs. So I, I advise my clients, so let's stop thinking about how you're going to get this data and let's start thinking about the data that you want. What is the insight that you want from your clients? And from that point, it's pretty, you know, it, it starts to become much more clear what type of mechanism, what kind of technique is going to help them get that insight. So if it's going to be an interview program, which, you know, really is the flavor of insight that I work with, or is it going to be a a customer success survey? And if that's the case, I have a great resource that I can refer them to. So starting with what you want to know, not getting all wound up about how how you're going to go get it. So talk to me more about the one that you do when you're going into a client and what is, what kind of things does that entail? So they are um, voice of the customer interviews that are one-on-one. So it's myself or someone from my team on the phone with the customer. We schedule 30 minutes with the customer and we schedule 60 minutes on our side because once the customers get talking, it isn't unusual for them to go over that 30 minutes and we don't want to cut them off. Um, we do not do what I call call and catch type of interviews, which is essentially the, okay, well, if you just have two minutes, I've got a couple questions type of an interview, right? This is as, you know, we just talked about a minute ago. It's, we're looking for an investment of 30 minutes and that investment will pay off in your experience as a customer. It will pay off in your vendor partner better understanding what it is that you need to be successful as a customer. So that's um, that's what the interviews look like. And where I mentioned I help my clients to not only uncover customer insight, but also create a better customer experience. This interview is part of creating a better customer experience. The customers who participate in these interview programs feel really valued. It is often that they're thanking me at the end of the at the end of the interview for the time that I've given them to, you know, to share their expertise, to share their insight. Um, a lot of times, I'll have them tell me, you know, I get asked to do surveys or interviews all the time, but I've never had an experience like this where it truly it, it this is. This is not a sales call in disguise. This is not um, asking for a bunch of, you know, one, you know, rankings on a scale of one to 10. It's a, it's a very warm, casual conversation. Nice. I love that because I think it's so important with the, as you put it, the, the call and catch. It's, yeah. those can often be resented. And I think that leads to owners going, well, we don't want to do that. Well, we don't want to 
it's not even that it's i we don't want to call our clients because we don't want to annoy them and when you start to frame it from we want their insights we want them to start talking um in my experience it's been <laughs> they they go beyond the half hour which most people would think is miraculous and like oh they're going to give you 5 minutes they give you a half an hour and, and then they're talking more because <laughs> they want to be heard they want to get solutions to the problems that they have it exactly. just makes sense and if you know depending upon what the key desired insights are depending yep. upon what the insight is that my client is looking for in this particular program mm -hmm. a lot of times we are asking questions about industry expertise as well Mm -hmm. And clients love, or customers rather, love to share that insight. I mean, who, do, you know, it's most people really do enjoy sharing their experience and their expertise with others. And they, they oddly don't have that opportunity very often, particular, particularly with a vendor. It's, it's a lot of times it's a, it's about a sales call, which I spent the bulk of my career in sales. I mean, as a business owner, I'm still in sales. I love sales. I think it's it's valuable for everybody, but it's a different conversation. It is a different conversation than what we have as part of the voice of the customer interviews. Nice. So with the the key desired insights, mm -hmm. almost going around my own writing, <laughs> what are some of the things that people are looking for? Some of the more surprising ones that you're going that people kind of shock themselves with and go, you know, what we're actually looking for is this. Any of those? Sure, sure. So um, one of the most, I guess I would say common key desired insights that I find yep. is um, the, the top purchase drivers, right? So a lot of times it's what are the top three or what is the top purchase driver? Because what I found is um, there are a lot of organizations who, as we go through this the voice of the customer program find that the reasons why they believe their customers buy their product is Actual? not <laughs> right exactly so Actual. it's probably more shocking in the answer than in the question <laughs> exactly right nice. exactly right is um yeah so i suppose it's it's the the insight that's uncovered as part of the kdis that is the surprise mm -hmm. more so than actually developing the nice. kdi yeah, I totally get that. You wouldn't happen to have any examples offhand that you could share with us, would you? Yeah. So yeah. one of them is um, I had a client who believed that the customers was the customers purchased their product. They had a it was a software product around logistics. It was a logistics company, the logistics yeah. software. And they believed that the customer bought their product primarily because of the platform neutrality that you know they could work with all sorts of different devices within the logistics organization but what they found was and it came out not only in a purchase driver but it it resulted in market messaging as well is the customers again and again referred to the purchase driver as an out of the box solution they could customize and that is not language that they had ever used in marketing. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it it wasn't formalized language at all. Yet consistently, customers would say the same thing when we would ask them the question about their purchase drivers. So they number one learned the real reason why a lot of their organizations were purchasing them. The 
the um, neutrality, the platform neutrality and the different types of uh, hardware that they could work with didn't really matter because most of the their customers had single platforms. So it was a selling point that they loved. It was really great from a technical standpoint, really great from a competitive standpoint, but it wasn't really relevant to their clients. So mm-hmm. what was though, was this out of the box solution they could customize. Nice. So I- a lot of light bulbs went on as part of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I oh, love it. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having in their business that would warrant a conversation with you and go, yeah, we can, we can probably work with that. So first one, definitely. And don't just, you know, don't, don't walk, but run to do this work is if you're having issues with customer retention, right? So especially when we're looking at entrepreneurs, when we're looking at small to mid-sized businesses, and if you have more of a high value product, a complex sale, if you start having issues with retention, that can bring a business down very quickly, right? Just a loss of one significant customer in those scenarios can really hurt. So um, if there are concerns about retention or if you have seen retention, it's really important to get a robust voice of the customer program in so that you don't continue to see this happen with other customers. The other thing that we see is if, you know, really from the sales process perspective, if the um, closing ratios, if you, you know, if you're just, if deals are getting stuck or if you're losing opportunities, those are really great ways to leverage this type of a program, particularly if you have um, an onboarding conversation, right? So after a customer is, you know, decided on your solution while the sales process is still really fresh in their mind, being able to implement a voice of the customer interview program that includes that as a touch point, really valuable. You can find out a lot about improving the sales process. Same thing with market messaging. If you're, if your leads, if you're just, you know, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing from a marketing perspective, but your message just isn't landing. We can really uncover a lot of insight there. Um, Same thing with expansion. I have clients who want to expand into new verticals or expand into new geographies. That's a great opportunity. The list kind of goes on and on (laughs) for for the different ways that we can Talk to me about the expansion, because if somebody wants to expand into an arena, is it really their current clients that they're going to be looking at? And do they have to know kind of who those clients might be? What, What are you looking for from them when it comes to expansion? So I can give an example. I uh, completed a program for a software company that worked with a lot of city and county governments. And they really were concentrated within a single state and they wanted to expand into other states. And so we built a program that number one, worked to better understand what the true experience of their existing customers was. So just a a really great touch point to make sure that the existing customers um, were having a positive experience, better understanding what they could do to elevate that experience even further. And then also as part of that program, working to tap into, okay, so what other states are structured somewhat like you? Do you have networks within other states? Are there national organizations that you find valuable? 
So, and all of that was part of a discussion around we're interested in expanding into other states. So we'd love your insight, right? None of it is, um, you know, none, none of it's hidden. It, it, it's, all, it's all part of the conversation. But for these customers who, they understood that part of this program is understanding how to improve their experience. With that, they were happy to provide their expertise and how they could expand to other states. So that's where it goes into that investment, right? And that's when it goes into building a partnership. So that's one example of, of very specifically how you can work to expand. I love that. The I think one of the things that people are looking at when they're building out key parts. So say somebody comes up with this great idea. It's very innovative. We've just been having our, you know, our quarterly meetings and we're like, yes, this sounds fantastic. Everybody's on board. And how did they not waste a ton of money, time and resources to implement that plan uh, and have it fail? Is it merely being able to bring you in and go, hey, let's do a bit of this? Or is there something that they can do to start um, kind of noticing some red flags around kind of the too good to be true or it's way too left field from what we're doing right now? Anything like that? Yeah. So uh, that is absolutely an opportunity for a program. And that one's a little bit different. So I've I've kind of talked a lot about voice of the customer experience programs where you're tapping into specific points within that customer experience and and you're really working to have an ongoing conversation right you're doing these customer interviews based on um you know a, a con the customer contract renewal or based on a support incident or based on onboarding right that that's really a consistent a consistent program there is another option and definitely something that i work with clients with also which is really a, a focused voice of the customer program, which is, okay, we have this significant initiative and we wanna pull insight from our customers to make sure we are going in the right direction. So one of the things that clients often will work with me on in that type of a program is if, again, talking about a software company, but it really applies to anyone, if they're releasing a new product or they're planning a significant um, update, to, the, to an existing product, right? Then that's where this kind of a program makes a lot of sense because you were completely spot on. You, too many companies waste a lot of time, a lot of money going in the wrong direction because they didn't take two months to run a program to collect feedback from the people that can give them the most insight, which is their customers. Nice. Love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? So uh, they can find me on LinkedIn and they can also go to my website, which is Derby is D-I-R-B-Y. And the website is derbysolutions.com. And I'd love talking to different companies who are looking at this. So happy to schedule a you know, uh, initial 15, 20 minute call. I talked about these KDIs. If somebody is really trying to understand, you know, what, what would I, what kind of insight could I uncover? Or if somebody knows the insight that they need to uncover and wants to understand if it's something that they really could work with their customers to better understand, then that that is a conversation I love to have. Nice. Love it. And we will, of course, have all of Tonya's notes in the show notes. So feel free to scroll down and click on those links and 
get access to that information, of course, Tanya. <laughs> awesome. So I get to ask you now, at what point in life did you know that you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Oh gosh. You know, um, I think it was when I was 27 years old and why the number so specifically sticks in my head, I don't know. But uh, early in my career, I was really corporate focused and, you know, I was, I wanted to be a VP before I was 30 and just all of the, all of the things that I thought that I wanted. And um, I hit VP by the time I was 27. And I remember when I got the promotion that unfortunately, one of the first thoughts that I had was, huh, this is it, huh? <laughs> it was, it was a little anticlimactic, I have to say. And that began me understanding that the corporate route was probably not going to be really what I wanted, that what I really loved was building and creating things and delivering them to those small to mid-sized companies that oftentimes don't have don't have the resources that corporations do. And so that that was when I really knew that I needed to to pivot and go in a different direction. I love it. You have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Oh my gosh. You know, uh one of the things that I think is integral to this process is getting curious. Like really truly just get curious about not only the things that you think you know already, um, those are maybe the most important things to get curious about, but the types of the types of things that you can learn in a conversation with a customer that you never expected. Just get, get curious, ask good questions. Thanks. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Tanya. I appreciate it and I know how valuable it is. Thanks, Michelle. I, I uh, really enjoyed this. Thanks. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.